Yeah, we're in Revelations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're on the, on the seven churches. Keep trying, you'll get there eventually. Chapter 3, Church of Sardis. I told you I get in there for one of these every service. I don't really do it intentionally. I've used a couple of them twice. All right. So Revelation chapter 3. Now this one is a little bit different, this particular church. Um, it's kind of unique in a couple things. Before we read it, we'll look at this. Um, as you can see, we got Sardis, and this is the church age about what it covers, uh, 1500s to 1790s, uh, meaning of name, those escaping or re remaining, uh, complaint, dead works. One very small compliment, a few are not defiled, and that was it. He really did not give them a compliment at all. There was really nothing the Lord complimented them on. Uh, white raiment book of life and that's the promise reward and we'll get to that in a minute but um, this particular church it's got some interesting history that goes with the verses so let's let's look at uh, let's read this and uh, Revelation chapter 3 does anybody want to read these six verses real good and strong verse 1 Chapter 3, verse 1, down to verse 6. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis, these things saith he that hath the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know thy works, that thou hast a name.
Okay. So just six verses. Now Sardis uh, is kind of an interesting uh, city. Um, it was well known. Uh, it was known a place to be easily to make money. Uh, you could say the land of opportunity. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Um, and it had a well-deserved reputation for immorality. Uh, they had a temple built to a, a fertility goddess. And we know any city that had a fertility uh, temple built to fertility goddess, we know what took place in those temples. Um, it was basically a prostitution ring, more or less, and, and I'm saying it kindly at that. Um, in this one place, I've read, I've read this a couple of places, uh, but supposedly from the ruins, the temple, its main columns were 60 feet high and more than 6 feet in diameter. That's big. That was just the columns. Um, the mother goddess was honored and worshipped with all kinds of sexual immorality and impurity. And we won't go into more detail than that. I think your, your adult imaginations can cover that. Um, as I said, it was a combination of way, and I'm kind of lip reading here somewhat, but easy money, loose moral environment, made the people of Sardis notoriously soft and pleasure loving. The great characteristic of Sardis was that even on pagan lips, Sardis was a name of contempt. Its people were notoriously loose living, notoriously pleasure and luxury loving. Sardis was a city of the decadence. Now, if you think about it, America sounds a lot like that. It really does. A lot of people in this country live solely for the pleasure of the flesh. Uh, what they can gain, what they can get, what they can experience, what they can do. Care nothing about God, do anything to do with God. Now, one of the things that's interesting about this city, uh, now this comes from some history. Uh, we don't know this for sure, but it was built on top of a mountain. And it was a lot of clay and mud on both sides. It wasn't just all rock. And um, there was a, Cyrus, King Cyrus, came to Sardis and he wanted to conquer it, but he couldn't figure out how because if you think about it, any time a city is built up on top of a mountain like that, you can't get up there to it. I mean, it's almost defenseless. So one of his soldiers were, kept watching one day. Cyrus kind of sent out a... a, a challenge or a reward, a very rich reward if somebody could figure out how to defeat the city. So this one guy was watching one of the soldiers at Sardis supposedly dropped his helmet or something and he watched him climb down a secret passageway, get the helmet and then climb back up that secret passageway that nobody knew about. So when nighttime come, they snuck up that secret passageway and guess where Sardis' the soldiers were not watching at all? that secret passageway. They had very little watchmen around the city at night, hardly no one. So they conquered the city while everyone slept. Uh, that happened twice to Sardis through the years. Centuries later, the same thing happened again. They would get lackadaisical and lazy and get arrogant and think they couldn't be defeated. Instead of keeping a watch, they were easily defeated at night. Happened twice. Uh, throughout the centuries. So, um, it's, to me, uh, it, 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 and it's not necessarily 
uh, America that this is referring to, but I'm just saying I see some similarities. I mean, I really do. But let, let me go through these verses and kind of expound to you here just for a few minutes the interpretation of this and what we got, and we'll look at it tonight. It says, The angel of the church of Sardis write, These things saith uh, he that hath the seven spirits of God, and the seven stars. I know thou works that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Now, he says the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Does anybody have any idea who he's referring to right there? Remember, this is Jesus talking. That's that's along that line. Yes, that is correct. Remember, seven in the Bible is the number four. Completeness, perfection, completeness. So he's talking about himself here, the Godhead, if you will, the fullness of God, the seven spirits. And then he says the seven stars. Who are the seven stars? Does anybody remember? From chapter one, he mentions the seven stars. That's the angels. That's a very good guess. The stars are the churches. The seven stars. It's the church. Who is the church? We are. But who is the head of the church? Christ. So um, he says, I know thy worth that thou hast a name that thou livest and art dead. Boy, does that not sound familiar? Um. Well, and, and we're really going to get in that and we get to lay it to see it. So this church started out alive. It started out doing good. Now remember, these churches realize when John the Revelator, as he's called at this time, the Apostle John wrote this letter. It was about, I think, A.D. 90-something. I forgot the exact year, but it's almost undebatable the year it was written. Uh, most of your Bibles probably tell you it's the beginning of Revelations. But anyway... Um, he was still alive. So these churches were in existence at that time. Remember, they were actual churches that were real bodies of believers together at that time. So imagine how far in a short amount of time they had come. Down. I imagine potentially, I don't know this, let's say Apostle Paul, Barnabas, Silas, John Mark, Peter, we don't know. One of these guys went through this area and started this church. Remember, all these are in modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor. You remember we spent a lot of time on Paul's missionary journeys. The first one you can see is in the area of Galatia. This is just west of that area. We'll look at it on the map. We're going to do that so you'll know what we're, what we're talking about. But that's where this area is. So it's possible any of these guys could have started this church. And in less than, let's just estimate 40 years' time, that's been pretty favorable, I'll be honest with you. It went from a good, thriving church to a dead church. It didn't take long. Because he said, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. And church, I'll be honest with you, I have went, uh, before I came here, um, obviously I don't get very many... Uh, um, 
calls to come and preach anymore because I'm pastoring. But before I came here, a lot of the churches I would go to sometimes to fill in or preach because they knew pastor, I, I don't mean to sound cruel, they were absolutely as dead as a three-week-old grave. I mean, they were just, there was no life there whatsoever. At one time, it might have been a thriving body of believers, but I'm telling you, a lot of the churches we've got in our, in our country today, man, they're dead. Uh, you walk in, look like you, uh, a taxidermist put the people there on the pews and left anyway. Um, he said, but be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. So what he's saying is, he said, you still have just an inkling of life. You need to get a hold of that and you better start doing something with it. What little bit is left, you need to strengthen. Um, he said, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. In other words, you're not doing anything before God. You're not doing anything for the Heavenly Father. You're not doing what we've asked you to do. Basically, is what Jesus is saying. In questions or comments? Right. There were some. There was some tears in the wheat. Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I mentioned the tares, the wheat and the tares, that's a parable Jesus told, uh, and it's an illustration of lost people in a church. And, and we've heard me say, there's, our churches are full of lost people. Um, but he says, uh, and like Marty said, he's speaking to Christian people here. He's not, this ain't a message to the lost. This is a message to the church. He says, remember therefore how, verse three, how that thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, uh, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Now let me mention a couple things here on that particular verse. And he's, he, he's calling for him to remember. He said, think back. Have that thou hast received and heard. In other words, he said, you received the gospel. You received the power. You received the Holy Spirit. You received everything you need to be a thriving body. And you heard all this. You've seen it. You've experienced it. But you need to repent. You need to repent of your sin, your hard-hardness, more than likely. Because of where this was located and their works were dead, so in other words, they had, uh, can everybody see this okay? Does it help, does it help I pull them out? You need me to pull that one out too? Well, I got yell and looks and a head shake, so we anchor out and there it is. That's nice, ain't it? It's a good touch, son. It's a good touch. I don't know how that's got purple on that one, don't, but I don't know. Anyway. Hope it's okay. Um, but they don't have a whole lot to go on here. Their works were dead. Say, so how can you have dead works? Well, more than likely you're doing what you want to do and not what God has told you to do. You're doing it for yourself and the power of God. Holy Spirit is not leading in anything. Yeah. Do it within their own 
instead of uh, uh, through, through, through the power of the Spirit and through study of the Word and, right. and devotion to God. Just doing what they think they ought to do yeah. rather than what God tells them to do. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. He said, uh, and he tells me, he said, If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt uh, not know what hour I will come upon thee. Does that sound familiar yeah. in the Bible? Yeah. Where else have you heard that? In the Bible. When Jesus is out, the rapture will take place as a thief in the night. When no one's expecting, I'm not doing a thing. Uh, no one's watching. Um, can everybody still hear me okay? Because I left this one on too. Um, and that's what he's telling them. Your memory also says different times, and he says it here, he that hath an ear, let him hear. You've got to have a spiritual ear to hear the word of God. Pay attention to what God says. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they uh, shall walk with me in white, uh, for they are worthy. Now, uh, there's different ways to look at this, but basically, uh, some believe what he's referring to, and I, and I think this is very possible, um, that... Here, again, remember, idol worship. Now, we still have idol worship. It just wasn't the same as it was back then. But a lot of times, they would get the blood or whatever, that, that, that sacrifice on their garments or something that they had on, and it showed that to that false idol. Christian people at this time would do these things sometimes. They do now, too. We just do it differently. But I, I see it more as defile their garments as the Bible speaks about us putting on Jesus Christ. Uh, talks about different places, the clothes of, and what we wear, how we look. Not necessarily, uh, it doesn't tell us to wear all cotton. I don't mean it like that. But you know the Bible speaks of these type of things and it's a picture of how we are conducting our life and, our, and the garments we have. Are you uh, defiling the temple of God? So either one I don't think is a, uh, a miss here. I think you could put either one of those with this and I think it would be fine uh, exactly what my opinion is. Um, I, I kind of lean a little more towards uh, the defilement uh, probably of the false idols, the false sacrifice and things such as that because uh, that takes in so many different things because this church was so steeped in that. Right, and they would fall back into it. Right. I don't think that they were, like you said, I don't think they were fully involved, but I think they were participating enough that they had defiled themselves to where their testimony was gone. Because he told them, remember, just before this he said, repent. So they were doing something wrong. 
Um, and he says, and, and the few that have not defiled their names. He said, they uh, will walk with me in white for they are not worthy. What are we going to wear when we get to heaven? What's our heavenly robe going to be? Robe of white. Does anybody know what it's made out of? There is an exact material it mentions, but that is a very good guess. That is, that is actually true. Linen. I'd done a study one time on linen. I preached on it. I may do that again. God let me. Uh, he says in verse 5, He that overcometh the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Now, let me say this. This is not saying that Christ will write, blot your name out of the book of life. It is a confirmation that he's not going to, is what it is. When you're born again and your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, the Bible never gives instructions on how it can be removed. They're not there. That's born again. You've overcome. That's right. Yes, sir. That's right, because some of them were not, were not born again. Um, he says, but I'll confess his name before my father and before his angels. And we know Jesus said that uh, in the gospels as well. Um, he even said, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. We know that. Uh, a couple of different places he mentions about confessing your name before the father, if you confess him. So verse six, he says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the spirit saith unto the churches. So there, uh, that is, again, as I already mentioned, uh, you need to have a spiritual ear. Now, not everybody in this church heard this. Now, does anybody know today what is the religion of what we know as modern-day Turkey? Somebody mumbled it. Turkey. Muslim. It's Islam. Isn't it amazing that in Revelations, there are seven letters written to seven churches that is now an entirely Muslim country. Does that not blow your mind? Yeah. Let me tell you one of the reasons why I think it happened that way. Because they did not repent. Jesus said, I'll come as a thief. And let me tell you something. As a church... If you claim to be a church and you start out that way and you start defiling the name of Christ, I think the reason he doesn't do it now is because the age we're in and we'll talk about it here more in the next week or two. But there was a lot of times in history he has pulled that church. He'll shut it down. He'll scatter the people and he'll shut it down. Especially if you're embarrassing his name. And that's what a lot of these churches were doing. Not all of them. So uh, there's not, I mean, I could go into a lot more detail here about Sardis. Uh, the one thing I do want to mention, uh, as far as the church age goes. Now, if you remember last week, I mentioned a guy by the name of Martin Luther. And I said he nailed the 90-some thesis statement on the door of the castle, I believe it was, or the church, I don't, uh, the church, I think. Um, and it was basically... Uh, him saying that, you know, uh, 
it takes the blood of Christ and faith in Jesus alone to be saved. Works will not do it because at that time Catholicism ruled the world basically. And what was happening is the priests and popes would not allow the people Bibles to read. They did not want an English-speaking Bible. Do you understand how many people lost their lives trying to give us an English-speaking Bible? It's a lot. Um, you got a few of them that led up to the King James. You got the Geneva, the Giant Bible, the White, White Cliff. You got different ones there that, that preceded the King James. And those men that translated those into English, a lot of them got killed for it. They, were, they died. A lot of the King James translators suffered greatly to give us that Bible. Um, but anyway, so Martin Luther did that and so for years what had been happening, I mentioned this last week with the Crusades and stuff, so even during this time period from the 1500s to 1790s, there was a lot of arguing and uh, fighting back and forth between the Catholic Church and the church. Uh, a lot of bloodshed, a lot of uh, arguing back and forth. So hence, does anybody remember what year the Mayflower landed in America? I'm pretty sure that's right. I was probably, I, I was asking to see if anybody knew, so I sounded really smart, like I knew the answer, I but I wasn't sure. Uh, And I think that could be right on Columbus, but before America was actually really took off, we know, I think it was 16, 1620 when the little Mayflower landed uh, there at Plymouth Rock, and not very many survived that. A lot of them died. So they started a new world, new colony. Does anybody remember why they came to America? Religious freedom. That's what they came here for. So, in 1620 is right in the middle of this. Right in the middle of the Sardis Church Age. And so they were trying to find a place that they could worship freely. And that's what, by coming here, that gave them that. Of course, we know as time went on, the country got more and more people came. Uh, Britain said, we're not going to allow this. We're, you know, we had it before. We're going to get it back. And of course, the Revolutionary War took place. Does anybody remember that? What year was that? Declaration of Independence was signed what year? That you all should know. 1776. My son has a t-shirt and I like it and I'm on Facebook Live and I want to say this. He has a t-shirt and my wife is like, it says I'm 1,770% sure you will not take my guns. 1,776% sure you won't take my guns. Amen. Anyway, back to the Bible and back to the lesson. So again, we're in, the, we're in this church age. This was a very dark church age. Uh, there wasn't much happening at that time. They were, a lot of them were too busy fighting against each other, grappling with each other, rather than trying to spread the gospel. Now, I'm not going to be too hard on it because, let's face it, if I was under the, the total Catholic rule by the state, it probably wouldn't have been easy to do anything with. But God doesn't give in the Bible does he say it's okay? I, I mean, the apostles got their heads cut off. They didn't stop them. They were beat, horsewhipped. They didn't stop them. 
Sometimes I get embarrassed for what little bit it takes to stop us from spreading the gospel and telling people about Jesus. Anyway, so that is, uh, in a nutshell, the church of Sardis. Uh, not a whole lot there to it. Not a whole lot. I could, like I said, I could go into a lot more detail and talk about a lot more, but, but you've got the gist of it, and that's really what I want you to get. Um, those escaped and remaining, there's another place I've read where the meaning of the name means prince of joy. Characteristics, dying faith and ritualism. Uh, you appear to be alive, but in your heart you are dying and your works are imperfect. So uh, that's basically the gist of that church. Now again, any questions or comments on that? any of that we went over just now? And don't be embarrassed or ashamed or think nobody else is as lost as you. Nobody else doesn't understand like you. If you're, if you're thinking that, there's probably somebody else, at least one more, thinking exactly what you're thinking. So that means everybody understands everything I just went over. Sometime, Yes. All of these churches that we are going through right now no longer exist. I think maybe one of them possibly somewhere in that, I'd have to look back on that and see. I think one of them may still be around today, but I, best I can remember, I don't think any of them exist. Um, if they do, uh, I don't know. I'd have to look back and see. I did know this. I don't remember uh, if, I'm not going to say because I don't remember. I don't know. Uh, a lot of countries won't allow any other religion but Islam, especially those Middle Eastern countries. It's against the law to even have a Bible. And I don't know if Turkey allows other religions or not. I'm thinking that they do, but I'm not 100% sure on that. So don't quote me on that because uh, I just don't remember for sure. But a lot of them won't allow, or if they do allow, they say they do, but the people persecute the church horrendously and the government won't do anything about it. The police will stand by and watch. Or they'll turn their back or something. They won't stop it. Dude, say that again now. Well, I, they might be the only one that is actually, I think there's others, but they might be the only one that's actually law, but the other ones, if they say you can practice other faith, they don't do anything to protect them. I know Iran, you can't. They'll cut your head off if they catch you with the Bible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Of course, North Korea, that goes without being said. I mean, my goodness. You know, they put that baby in, jail, in prison for life, two years old or something, because its parents had a Bible. For life. And I'm telling you, in prisons there, they ain't got air conditions and color TV. <laughs> yeah.
January 6th thing. Let's do it. He wasn't even up there. He wasn't up there. He just put something on, on, on free speech on, on the internet about that. They're going to put him in jail for 22 years for free, free speech. I believe that. That's communism. That's not even yeah. free. No, we're under communism. People don't want to realize that, but we are. You, you, we no longer have free speech. You really, you think you do, but you really don't. Look how many people's been fired and sued for just expressing their opinion. Um, and we, and we are, what's sad is our people are too blind and dumb to see that. Yeah. I saw that. It's we're in a bias society for sure. Um, well, it, it, the, the thing is, all these things is leading up to the church being persecuted in this country. So, all right, verse seven. We're going to start on this one tonight. We won't get real far, but I at least want to get started on it. Um, Christ's message to the church of Philadelphia. I'm just going to read a couple of verses here. He says, "And to the angel." of the church in Philadelphia right. These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, and he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. So who's he talking about there? Talking about yes, talking about himself. Talking about, he's describing himself. Um, that is probably the most powerful introduction he gave to any of these churches. If you think back. The rest of them, he did not describe himself in that much, really and truly that much majesty and power. He says, I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews, and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before my feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Okay, let me stop there. Now, you've heard me say this, and this, um, this one doesn't necessarily say that, uh, but you've heard me say it. 1790s to 1840s. Uh, some of these have the church age of Philadelphia going all the way to 1900. Uh, and I'm probably more pro-1900, to be honest with you. Uh, on that um, they're saying their complaint is little strength and that is the closest uh, complaint Jesus has some tables it says complain or whatever and it says none for Philadelphia so brotherly love is, is the meaning of it I think everybody knows that from the city of Philadelphia and no this is not Philadelphia Pennsylvania that this is talking about this is still modern day Turkey not in Pennsylvania. Uh, in case you're wondering, just so America knows this, that is where Philadelphia got its name from, right here. It's God's all over this country in our history whether people want to admit that or not. So, uh, kept Christ's word, not denied him, kept from the hour of the trial, 
pillar and temple in the name of God. All right, that's the promised reward. Now, let me say a couple things about this and we'll pick back up at Philadelphia next week. Um, if you remember, I've mentioned this, that Philadelphia church age is when more evangelism and missionaries have been sent out throughout the world than in the history of any other time. Uh, different countries were sending missionaries throughout the world. The, a lot of missionaries went from Europe in different places and started churches. And a lot of Americans, believe it or not, even in this early date, was going back to other countries. Uh, over the last hundred years, well, I forget we're at 2023 sometimes. I still want to be in 1990s. Um, kind of wish I was still in the 80s, to be honest with you. But... Um, Anyway, uh, a lot of Americans went to different countries and started churches. So we've seen the missionary church age, and that's what this one is considered more than anything else, uh, the missionary church age um, take place throughout uh, the last couple, uh, two or three hundred centuries. Now let me try this real quickly. Oh, that ain't what I want. I might lose it all. That's all right. We'll get it back if we do. I said I was going to look at this, and I kept my promise. Pow. All right. Give you some references. Here's Antioch. Does anybody remember what took place in Antioch here at this particular location? When we was going over through Paul's missionary journeys. That's where the first calls Christians. That is Paul's home church right there. Notice what country it is in. Turkey. This is modern day Turkey. Now all of these churches, I'm going to kick John's piano over if I'm not real careful, are right here. You can see where they're at. Now Galatians, for just reference, uh, Antetia, however you pronounce that, Kanya, looks like Kenya with an O, uh, the Galatians church was in this area here, if you remember, when we was going over that. Uh, Paul's first missionary journey was in this area. So even though the church started here, it's, it's virtually gone. This is Muslim controlled. And this is, these are your seven churches. So you can see they're all in this one area. Jesus didn't pick one here, over here, just, you know, I don't know why he chose these seven, and I'll be quite honest with you, I don't really think on this side of heaven anybody else knows either. And if they tell you there's a reason, I probably wouldn't give it much weight. We, we don't know why. That's the seven he picked. Why? Because he's God. He can do what he wants. And that's what that is. The only reason I can give you is the seven churches cover about everything a church can be. All the above. Remember, they were actual, literal churches at this, at that time. In the first century A.D. Real churches started by real apostles or people of that church age. So, uh, but the church of Philadelphia of that particular time, and you can see where it's at. It's just southeast of Sardis, 
northwest of Laodicea. Of course, Ephesus is out, the, out on the coast. We know that. And all of them are right there in that area. Now, um, I've heard so many missionaries or pastors from other churches uh, say there was an American missionary came to our country and we heard the gospel. I've heard that a lot through, through the years. Uh, there's a lot of churches that were started by European missionaries as well. So the, the um, Philadelphia Church Age was certainly uh, a missionary church age. There are still a lot of missionaries being sent out. There's still a lot of people going. But folks, I'm telling you, the church as we know it is, it's not what it was. I'm saying as a whole. I'm not saying all churches. I'm saying as a whole. So we're in the latest seeing church age and we'll talk about that next week if we get to it. So anybody got any questions or comments? And we'll pick back up there in the Church of Philadelphia. I just want to give you a quick introduction. Yes. church right uh, so um, but I mean there's so many different things I could tell you to read and it'd be hard but uh, I've read different books and, and different places or just quotes or something where somebody from another country uh, or a missionary from the European countries or America went to other countries. And uh, I hope I didn't tear that TV up. I pulled it out a while ago. Okay. Let's hope so. So anyway, uh, you can turn that thing off. Um, all right, has anybody got any questions or comments? So... Uh, we, I know I gave everybody those outlines earlier. We'll look at those. I partly gave them to you for personal study, personal reference, so you could uh, look at it and get some idea. Uh, but we will look at those. And then after we get through these seven churches, and I, I don't, we won't, probably won't finish next Wednesday. I think we'll come somewhat close. Uh, we'll probably get into the latest in church age, probably will be at the most we get. Um, what I'll do is kind of give a quick overview of them, very short one Wednesday night, because the next chapter, the church is no longer mentioned. Until you get to, I think, like the 19th or 20th chapter of Revelations. Uh, the very next chapter, Jesus tells John, says, come up hither. And so 